working towards a goal, we're trying to make changes, especially when it comes to nutrition and fitness, you know, we got to give it time. If you don't give it time, you know, you don't put in that consistency, then you're probably not going to see the change. Welcome to the Shift Work Athlete Podcast. We connect with shift workers conquering life challenges and chasing big fitness goals. The goal of this podcast is to inspire and motivate our shift work community to stay fit and stay healthy with such a unique lifestyle. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you, Caitlin Miles. I came across Caitlin's profile on Instagram, and we became uh, friends or followers. I don't know. I've been on social media for so long. I forgot what it's called. But uh, we ended up building a connection, and I got to know more about her, and I got to learn and see that she is or is now a dietitian who is trying to focus on helping shift workers live a much healthier life when it comes down to their eating routines, the supplements that they take, and just overall health and wellness. So, Caitlin, thank you so much for joining me today on the Shift Work Athlete Podcast. You know who I am already, Spencer Barlow, so nice to meet you. And can you please introduce yourself and share who you are? Absolutely. Thank you again so much, Spencer, for having me. It was a wonderful when we first connected. I know when I came across your profile on Instagram, I was really excited to see not only a shift worker and someone promoting, you know, shift work in athletics, but also someone in the Hamilton area, which is not something I see most days when I'm looking at people right. on Instagram. Very exciting there. So yes, I'm Caitlin. I am a registered dietitian. So a little bit about me. I got into nutrition more within the high school realm. I always had an interest in, you know, how to best fuel myself in terms of athletics. I was a big soccer fanatic. That was about 12 years of my life. I went into wrestling as well for a couple of years in high school. Super oh, cool. fun. Yeah, it was a unique experience. I loved it. Um, big overall in activity and really was always curious. You know, what was going to fuel my body to the best of my ability? When should I be eating? What should I be eating? Um, so that kind of drove me to applying to programs. I ended up at St. FX, finished an undergrad degree in nutrition. I have my nice X ring here. Very oh, proud. sick. That's yes. really cool. I didn't know that they're giving out rings there for that. Jeez, I'm oh. jealous. Yeah, it's actually the third most recognized ring in the world. So it's pretty up there. Wow, that's a serious like club. So when you see somebody, you just, you just show them the ring. There's like no communication, just eye contact ring and like... Yeah. You just Honestly, know that they're brother or sister? A hundred percent. Yeah. As soon as you see anybody from St. FX, it's like you've known them your whole life, whether or not that's, you've met them. That's Wonderful. really cool. Are you yeah. born and raised in Hamilton? Uh, so I'm actually, I was born in Guelph um, and I okay. spent most of my life in Kingston, but now I'm out here in the Hamilton area with my partner. He's a police officer. So we came and he's working in Haldwin County. So right next to the Hamilton area. Awesome. Really cool. Yeah, I, I would definitely like to get into more about your fitness background as well later on in the podcast, um, especially with wrestling stuff. I personally have never done wrestling. I've done jujitsu and stuff like that, but wrestling's like a whole nother level. Especially, and women are, are vicious. I think they're more vicious than men, personally. Yeah, I 100% uh, agree. Awesome. Well, great introduction. So, Caitlin, let's get let's just jump into it. So, you did mention that your partner is a shift worker. Um, I know when we were talking over Instagram, you had mentioned your parents were shift workers as well. Can, can we get into that? How how was that living with parents that were shift workers? Yeah, a hundred percent. So that was my first exposure to shift work. My mom has been a nurse for probably about twenty years now. She had always, you know, kind of done the, the, they call them sets, you know, um, rotating sets. So day shifts and then followed by night shifts and then followed by about four or five days off. 
that was super weird to me at first because, you know, in high school and whatnot, you're not used to like people working night shifts, especially parents, you know, when they're out and gone and you're the one in charge of making dinners or, or what have you. So that was really unique. And I felt like that gave me a whole new perspective on shift work. And I saw, you know, a lot of the challenges that came with it too, from her end, you know, the, the tiredness, you know, all those long hours at work staff shortages too, which was a big thing for nurses, which, you know, I really feel for them. She usually actually would stay for overtime most shifts. So that puts her about 16 hours. Yeah, it's it's a long day. And then Mm. you're expected to, you know, go home, make dinner for your family, or if you're working a night shift, get up soon after and kind of go through the daily activities. It's just not, it's not what the normal shift work lifestyle would really adjust well to. So it's, it's kind of uh, learning how you can adjust best. Uh, to still, you know, do what you got to do, spend time with your loved ones, but without compromising, you know, the quality of your sleep or anything like that. Right. Are you an only child? I uh, actually, I have a brother. He is a couple years older than me. He's actually in pharmacy school. So we're, we're a big healthcare family here. We've kind of oh, come wow. at it from all angles. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's nice that you're able to sit down at the dinner table and just share like, like, like healthy knowledge, you know what I mean? And everybody can relate and understand um that is really cool how long has your mom been a nurse sorry about 20 years now wow 20 years and she's still in guelph she's actually in the kingston area oh in the kingston area okay are you french too no no i'm not french no okay (laughs) usually a lot of people like majority not a lot of people but anytime that i've kind of gone to Kingston I find that French is it's like 50 50 there right so um okay that's that's really cool that's that's awesome and how's your brother doing so far in school good he's about halfway through now you know it's, it's quite demanding that you have to do a four-year undergrad degree and then you know follow okay. it up by even getting into a pharmacy school so that's I think another five years but he's about halfway through pharmacy school and he's enjoying it that's fantastic. Well, good luck to your brother, and I wish him nothing but the best. That's that's awesome. Okay, let's get into the dietitian, Caitlin Miles, the dietitian. So, you got to see what your parents went through when it came down to the shift work. Um, why was your path dietitian and not nurse or you know doctor, anything along those lines? Very good question. One, honestly, that I've I've had in my mind for so many years now. But the the it comes down to I'm not good with blood. I love the medical field, but I'm not good okay. with blood. So I was okay. like, let's just go with nutrition because you know I can deal with food. <laughs> awesome. And um, were you a big help to your mom with food as well? Were you always in the kitchen and you know searching foods or giving her advice? Yeah. So one of one of the things that kind of drove me again to the dietitian role was I love to look up fun food, you know, try out recipes. But I always like to make my my pictures on Instagram really pretty with my food. We'll say. Yeah. Uh, Big on that. that. Yeah. Thank you. And I had, you know, I had that going for quite a few years. Um, Just I was really into the aesthetics of how how great food could look. But also, you know, when you break it down to the components, how how beneficial it was for our body. So a lot of the time I'd be making dinners, you know, cooking up new stuff, just anything to help her out because, you know, it's a demanding field shift work. So that kind of got me used to, you know, adjusting as I needed and kind of being able to help out too. Awesome. Um, So with your boyfriend, do you share, do you mind sharing his name? Yeah, his name's Marshall. Marshall. Okay. So with Marshall, um, how does it work with living with Marshall and him doing shifts? 
Sure. So he's uh, he works quite similar, the, the same kind of schedules my mom did. So something that we're pretty used to. He starts off with two or three day shifts, followed by two or three night shifts, and then he'll have some time off. So we are still in the midst of adjusting to his schedule because he just started actually in February. So he's still pretty okay. new. Um, but we've had, you know, all these months to kind of get into a better routine. So um, for him and, you know, for us in general, I always like to start off a couple days before he starts his set of shifts by, you know, like planning out meals, getting an idea of what it is that we would want for the week, and then actually going grocery shopping the day or a couple days before he starts just to get that all out of the way. Um, I found that's been a huge help for us because, you know, the worst is when you, it's dinner time and, you know, you're trying to figure out what to eat and you're just staring in your cupboard or your fridge as we all probably been there. Right. And mm, I find it yeah. so easy to keep, you know, a list of three or four meals on my phone that I know we, we have the stuff for and that we can prepare. So that's kind of how we've been going about it. You know, night shifts and stuff are, are kind of are new. And, you know, when I'm working too, it can make things a little trickier, you know, when he's sleeping in the day for a night shift or when he's gone for 12 to 16 hours for his day shifts, you know, just to get other stuff done at home. But we're adjusting well to it, you know, just finding out little tips and tricks that help us. And the best part of it is I can actually share those tips and tricks with my clients that I work with. And it, it's kind of like a full circle. So that's really exciting. That's awesome. Do you mind sharing some of those tips and tricks with us? Sure. Yeah. Well, one is um, use your freezer. Like the freezer can be so villainized sometimes, you know, from a food perspective. But, you know, as a dietitian, um, fun fact that I shared a little bit ago was, you know, frozen vegetables and fruit can actually be just as nutritious as fresh ones. And the reason is because they are actually picked at the peak of freshness and they're actually flash frozen there. So as soon as they're frozen, you know, the nutrients stay within it. They take way longer to actually uh, compromise the quality. Whereas fresh ingredients, when they're being transported to, you know, grocery stores or what have you, they will start to, you know, decompose or lose a little bit of those extra nutrients. So for, sorry, frozen foods, huge game changer. We like to keep a whole bunch of like frozen veggies on hand, uh, frozen fruit for smoothies, um, you know, even like frozen sausages or frozen kind of burgers or stuff like that, that we, we enjoy. We always try to mm. look for ones that have, you know, um, decent amount of protein with a kind of a medium to lower amount of fat, just to keep in mind, you know, some of those frozen foods can have preservatives, but it's really just uh, about kind of consuming in moderation and just being mindful of the products you're picking. But we like to stack our freezer up with as much stuff as we can, because then, you know, when I'm, I'm at home and I'm like, you know, what are we going to make for dinner? I have frozen vegetables in the freezer. Those aren't going to go bad. Uh, we have right. some sausages and then we also have like brogies or something like that. A quick right. option on those days we really don't have time, which is something, you know, I think we can be hard on ourselves for. Huge. Um, yep. Yeah. You know, we don't want to. We, we think it's compromising, you know, the quality of our food and what we're eating. But really, it's about being realistic, too, because shift work is, is not the, the norm. Shift work is a no. much different challenge. So, yeah, freezer is definitely a big one. Awesome. And it saves you money as well at the end of the day, right? When you're always buying fresh produce, like it's going to expire in two to three days if you're getting organic. Like my girlfriend and I, we go to the grocery store two times a week. Like we spend a decent amount of money, um, but we get a mixture of fresh produce with stuff that we could also put in the freezer. So I couldn't agree with you more. And you know what? It took some time. Like you said, you start to establish the routine 
more as you keep working through you know the days and we have finally came down with a routine that works best for both of us um we are both on the same page when it comes down to eating food which makes it so much easier so you're not cooking two different meals for somebody right is that how you guys as well you're pretty much on the same page for for food oh 100 percent. i think if we had to cook two different meals that would oof, that would be too much <laughs> too much right yeah. um and yeah so like when it comes down to being a shift worker convenience starts to really play a big factor um and there's a couple tools that i've came across on amazon that i've purchased like a rice cooker crock pot you know like like you know just even frozen your freezing your food like you said like those things there save so much time you put it put it put the food or whatever granted it is and walk away and come back and get it later on you could focus on doing other things right 100 yeah you totally hit the hit the nail on the head there Awesome. Um, is there other, is there any other tips that you guys use as well or tools that you guys use? Yeah. One other one I was just thinking is, you know, if you're making dinners already and you know, you don't want to think about what you're going to have for lunch the next day, just make like a whole bunch of servings at, at your dinner. Um, and then just freeze those in individual portion sizes or, you know, put them in the fridge depending on how much you make. And then just, you know, pull them out for a quick and easy to go lunch for work. Just, it's all about, you know, finding ways to, to kind of cut down on the steps you need to take and the work you need to do with uh, still, you know, making sure that you're getting that good quality and good nutrition. In. And honestly, I think that's another great way to try. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it's, it's crazy how uh, I find people like think of food being such a complicated choice to make like it's it shouldn't be that hard right it's you know get a vegetable protein and some sort of carb right um now let's actually get into that do you have like a list of select foods that you feel shift workers should kind of like focus more towards yeah on yeah honestly great that's a great question um so the first thing I think of, you know, because a lot of the time dietitians too are asked, what foods should I eat? What foods should I not? What foods are good? What foods are bad? Uh, we like to take, or at least I personally like to take the stance that, you know, all foods are equal. They're just all different nutrition, obviously. In right. terms of shift work, I always try to stress, you know, with my clients and then just with any shift workers in general, it's always including protein. So a big thing I've seen in terms of research is that shift workers, you know, because you're kind of going against the circadian rhythms, you're staying up through the night, you're sleeping in the day, it can kind of throw your body out of whack in terms of hormones and whatnot. So that's basically what your circadian rhythm is. And when that happens, it can sometimes affect our blood sugars too. So, you know, um, sometimes you might notice they can be a little bit higher um, obviously, like nothing in terms for um, of diabetes, but just something to keep in mind because, you know, when it's been so many years of shift work and, you know, your blood sugars are being affected by circadian rhythms, it can be something that could become problematic down the line. So a big thing is always including a source of protein because when we're thinking about protein foods, there's something that will help satisfy us. So it's called satiety. Uh, so keep us full and keep us satisfied and also they're a lot slower when we're trying to break them down. So when we eat something and our stomach's digesting it, it takes a lot longer for our bodies to actually break down protein foods, which is why it's much better at regulating our blood sugar. So it won't spike them as quick when we know in comparison to something like, um, we'll say like cereal or like ice cream or whatnot, which is all just straight carbs. So carbs, Mm. when we're breaking those down, 
are essentially just little molecules of sugar. And when we're just consuming those, it's much easier for our stomach to break them down. You see a much quicker rise in blood sugars. So protein foods and especially a protein combined with a carb so that we're getting energy too from our carbs, that's a huge thing for shift workers. Um, just something to keep in mind. I wouldn't say necessarily there's such things as you know, good or bad foods for shift workers, but just right. um, always having the tool and always you know, utilizing protein throughout the day and through the night. Mm, absolutely. And, and that's, it's great how you've mentioned you know, there's no bad or good. It's about when you choose to use that food for fuel or you know just re recovery etc right and that's the same thing for myself as as a shift worker but as an athlete as well like there's foods that i just need because i just have to get certain calories in my body just for replenishment right um okay so you had mentioned carbs is there any other carbs that you would like to combine with the protein yeah, so um, in terms of carbs, you know, there's a whole bunch of different ones out there. Uh, complex carbs or, or what we refer to complex carbs are something such as, you know, pastas, rice, quinoa, um, etc. So those are carbs that have a little bit more to them. So they take a little bit longer for your body to break down. Those are good for, you know, lunches, dinners, etc. just to keep us full. Um, mm -hmm. In terms of like um, other types, so there's also more of a, it's called a simple carb. So things like, you know, cookies, ice cream, things that are, are much easier for our body to digest and break right. down. Um, for carbs, I just always like to emphasize, you know, trying to include a whole grain so you're getting that fiber in your diet. Fiber is another great nutrient. It's something that when you're consuming it, it's really good at also keeping you full. So again, it's mm. gonna help with your blood sugars and it's just gonna help, you know, you make sure you're not feeling hungry and 15, 20 minutes after you consume the lunch or dinner. Awesome. No, that's really good feedback. Is it, is uh, feedback? Uh, that's really good information. Um, geez. <laughs> when it comes down to the like fiber and carbs, and we won't get into fats yet, and proteins, um, is there, you know, people, I find a lot of people like, oh, I don't like having protein shakes or, um, you know, I don't, I can't afford to buy supplements, like, or maybe they can afford to buy supplements. Is there, is there, what are some like quick, way, not quick ways, but like efficient ways that people can get these nutri nutrients that they need, such as the, you know, the carbs, the proteins, um, besides them always, you know, making gourmet meals? A hundred percent. That's an awesome question, Spencer. Um, I, the first thing I, I love that you pointed out the supplements. So the one thing I always like to emphasize is, you know, we call it a supplement for a reason. It's supposed to be supplementing your diet if you know you're not able to get enough proteins or anything else in. Um, so most people, if you know you are eating a balanced diet, you're getting enough through the day. You probably won't need like any kind of supplement, like essentially a protein supplement. Again, you know, everybody's different. If you're high activity and you have high activity levels, obviously that's going to differ. You're probably going to need, you're going to have higher requirements than other individuals. Um, but I honestly wouldn't even worry about going for protein supplements if it's just, you know, somebody who um, they're a shift worker, they're, you know, moderately active, but they're just trying to get some more protein in their diet. There's so, so, so many options. Um, you know, if we're talking about animal meats, um, any animal byproducts, so things such as yogurt, Greek yogurt especially is a good mm. um, protein source if you're looking for a high protein yogurt. Um, as well, you know, uh, tofu is a great complete protein for plant-based individuals. 
tempeh, um, cheese is also a good protein. It does have some fats, obviously, but it does give you some protein too. And, you know, different milks too contain protein, nut butters, you know, even trail mix and things like that. There's so many different proteins. And a lot of the time, you know, we are consuming a lot more protein than we think. Um, right. I actually, I just met with a client this past week and, you know, we were kind of setting her up on macros and she was like, oh, you know, these protein needs are really high when I let her know what we're kind of aiming for. And I was like, you know, when I was actually going through what uh, you've been eating the past couple of weeks, I did the average of your protein intake and you were actually, you know, about here, which was probably only about 30 grams off of what our goal was, which was actually a lot closer than she, she actually thought. So it's just, you know, good to keep in mind a lot of the time we do get a lot of protein in our diet without even realizing it. Um, you know, whole grains as well. A, a lot of those contain some protein, something that most people might not think of. So, um, I would definitely recommend just checking out your day to day foods and, you know, see what the protein intake is there and and kind of leaving supplements for the last option if you really do feel like you need it okay cool yeah that makes sense it depends on your level of activity and yeah looking at having those as as a last resort right like that that's definitely a good advice um okay let's get into fats yes oh love this topic <laughs> so me too <laughs> uh, yeah i do um in terms of fats like i know it can be villainized and it has been villainized for so many years I think it's always important to just actually pay attention to what kind of fats you're actually e including and eating in your diet because that's the most important factor um, aside from, you know, how many grams of fats you're eating. Um, if we're talking about saturated fats, so that's something such as, you know, fatty animal meats or um, animal byproducts, they tend to be a little higher in saturated fats. That's something you kind of want to try to moderate and limit. Mm. Um, that's something that can affect our heart health. So just something to keep in the back of your mind. We're talking like unsaturated fats. So that's uh, just a fancy word we use for, you know, healthier fats, um, avocados, olive oil, different things like that. So that's something that we like to include in our diet um, because it actually is uh, good for us. It, do it does have some positive effects on our heart health. Um, so that's something good. And then in terms of trans fats and whatnot, in Canada, I believe there has been a ban on those um, okay. in the past couple of years. So that's something you probably won't see in maybe like any foods, I think. Um, yeah, but that's something, again, to limit. That's also considered um, probably the worst of the worst fats. But, you know, again, the ban has definitely helped out in limiting trans fats in Canadian foods. So that's exciting. Um, but yeah, just uh, just paying more attention to, you know, what types of fats you're consuming, whether than or um, in consideration um, compared to, you know, how much fat am I consuming? Because some fats actually have some really great nutrients and things that our body does need. Awesome. OK, that's 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 awesome. Um, is is there a different um, or sorry, is there a difference between a man and a female level of nutrients that they should be having when it comes down to their fats or proteins and their carbs or or can you give us like an average that is good for everybody yeah uh, that's that's a great question so males and females for the most part have quite different needs it's really difficult for me to say just without you know having a specific individual and knowing you know their their factors whether it's you know any health conditions what their activity level is um, what their weight and their height is, like a whole bunch of factors plays into their requirements. I would mostly recommend if you're really curious about uh, figuring out what your requirements are to reach out to a registered dietitian and kind of just have a chat 
um, because you know it's so individualized. I would I would love to give more information, but it's so difficult without having uh, someone in front of me to you know give that information for. Sure. For. for sure, awesome. Uh, thank you, Caitlin. Okay, so let's get into um, cravings. So is that a big topic that comes up a lot with your clients? Yes. So I think. So yes, absolutely it is. And I think honestly with the pandemic, it's been a big topic with everybody. I would say probably everybody in the world, um, especially for shift workers, you know, from what I've seen be- as well, because they tend to have a lot of stress placed on them. You know, frontline workers are experiencing a lot of stress, you know, staff shortages, different things like that. And then, you know, that can play into, you know, how we're feeling, you know, coping tools. Maybe we don't have the best coping tools set up. So we're reaching for food instead to make us feel better. And then it's kind of just that cycle that begins. So, yeah, that's definitely something I've seen a lot of uh, working with clients and, you know, just uh, most individuals that I've talked to who are shift workers in general. And it's just um, it's about the first thing is is not not denying yourself, you know, those foods that you enjoy because, a popular saying that I like to say is, you know, um, the thing that we try to avoid is what we're attracted to the most. When we're right. telling ourselves, you know, that we can't have something, obviously we're going to want to have it. So it's about enjoying the foods that we like in moderation. And then, you know, it's also about finding other coping tools besides, you know, food that can help us through these stressful times, because a lot of the time that's what we rely on for our, our coping tool. And it's something that long term isn't really going to do enough for us. So a long-winded answer, but yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm coming from. No, that's good. Okay, so say I'm a nurse, I'm at work, I've eaten my lunch already, and you know I have some change in my pocket. The vending machine's right there. It's got all the luxurious candy and junk food that I want. What are some of those coping tools that I could implement today to save me from going to that vending machine and getting that can of pop or, you know, having that granola bar. Um, Cause like, I, I get what you're saying. Like when it, when you do want something bad, how often do you listen to that voice to the point where it's automatically going to just become a normal response? Got you. Yes. So awesome. Awesome. Awesome question. Um, so that is something, you know, I like to always remind either my clients or anybody that we're working with, um, what is the goal you're working towards, you know, whether it's, you know, to be healthier, to eat more nutritious foods for any kind of weight loss, you know, what is it that you're working towards that is kind of making you question whether or not you should go to the vending machine. And that's, that's going to be the biggest thing that's, you know, going to drive you when you're kind of caught in, should I, shouldn't I, I'm kind of feeling the craving and is going back to that. Why, why did you start, you know, why are you taking these steps to be healthier, um, eating more nutritious food, lose that weight um, and keeping that in the back of your mind to kind of motivate you and push you forward closer to your goals. Awesome. So I'm assuming that's a big uh, topic that you discuss as well with your clients eh, is goal setting. Uh, cool. Let's let's get into that, actually. So how how do you structure a goal for a client that you feel that they're going to be super committed to? Yeah. So the first thing and the, probably the most important thing I always keep in mind is, is this going to be sustainable for the client? Is this going to be realistic for the client? Because we can write all of the pretty goals on paper and it can look wonderful. But, you know, at the end of the day, are they going to be able to go about their life and actually implement this and, you know, see a change and, and feel like they're able to do this? So that's right. the most important thing that uh, we keep in mind. I always 
uh, too, I like to ask my clients, you know, what, what is the goal you're working towards and what is your perspective? So, you know, I may think that, oh, let's include some more protein foods. You know, you'll, you'll feel a great change. You'll find you're more full. But maybe the client's thinking, you know, no, I'm, I'm not sleeping well. You know, I want to actually focus on putting my phone away one hour before bed or you're doing something else and focus on that this week. So we always take the client's approach of, you know, what they want to focus on for the week. And I always just guide and support them uh, throughout the process, because at the end of the day, you know, they are they are in the driver's seat for the program. I am the one guiding them and providing them the information, but I want them Mm -hmm. to feel motivated and confident and, you know, build up that momentum and and work towards getting them where they want to go. Awesome. So you also become like a, a, a good support buddy along the way, right? And making sure that they're staying on top of that. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Um, what's your thoughts on fasting? Fasting. For shift workers. Yes. So honestly, that one, that's, that's tricky because a lot of the, you know, the general or the more popular fasters things such as intermittent fasting. But when you think about going from 12 PM to 6 PM, and you only if you're only eating window and then you think about, oh, and except I'm going to be sleeping this time and then I'm going to be working through the night and it gets it gets sticky after that. A lot of the time for fasting, you know, the benefit is just the decrease in calories. Those, you know, that that little window of time um, provides because normally most people will eat for we'll say like 12, 16 hours of the day, it kind of depends on your schedule, but fasting, you know, really cuts down to have only like eight, six, whatever certain amount of hours that you will be eating through the day. So a lot of the time, the benefits just come from only eating throughout a smaller period of time, which of course happens to decrease the number of calories that you're eating. For shift workers, again, very sticky situation. It's honestly, you're, you're probably better off you know, finding a more sustainable habit that'll work better for you and your rotating schedule rather than, you know, cutting yourself down to only so many hours through a day and then trying to figure out how to adjust that to your schedule when your days change to nights. And it's, it's just, a, a, it seems like a, a lot of work, you know, for something that might not push you towards where you need to be. And, you know, especially shift workers need that energy. They need that, that push a lot of the time, you know, shift workers are, are the frontline workers and they have a lot on the go. Um, so it's very important to make sure you're getting enough calories in so you're able to be fully present and, and have that energy that you need as well. So fasting for shift workers, I probably would try to veer away from and probably just try to work towards finding a more sustainable eating pattern that works for you and helps push you towards your goals. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. You know what? Like at the end of the day, everybody is different. Uh, I have fasting. Um, I have a fasting routine that I do use. Um, and you know, I, I found that I, I was going back and forth between having like a regular eating schedule all the time. Uh, but then I started to feel that my stomach would start to give me issues. So I actually went back to a fasting routine. Um, and it, it you know what, it, it took me some time to kind of figure out how to do it properly. And like, you know, what? everybody responds differently to different methods, right? And it was just one of those things that um, I'm always testing and trying new things out, right? So who knows, it might work for some people, it may not work for others, but I think the best thing is that you have something you can stay consistent with, right? And you know, I, I probably am gonna come up with a YouTube or something like that on the fasting, just so like I could get it out there and see if anybody can relate or if they've had experience with it. Cause yeah, it, it is sticky, it's not perfect, right? Um, and you know, 
like I said, you just got to keep trying different methods that, that work best for you. Um, so when it comes down to, you know, people maybe experiencing gut issues, is that another big topic that is brought up with your clients? Yes. So that's one I've heard quite a few times too. A lot of the time, especially when you're up during the night and you're eating foods, that can be the biggest problem for uh, GI issues there. I always just like to say, uh, you know, try to stay away from spicy foods and high fat foods. So the reason for that is high fat foods, they take a lot longer to digest. So they sit a lot longer in your stomach. And, and, you know, when they're sitting in your stomach, you can kind of start feeling that GI discomfort or GI symptoms from that. So sticking to more for or sticking in and trying out some more, you know, carb protein snacks or something that, you know, is going to be a lot easier in your stomach is one way. But, you know, even as you mentioned in the previous question in our previous little chat, uh, it's, it's all going to be different for everybody. It's going to be figuring out what works best for you because some people can tolerate big meals in the night. Some people can't, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be about figuring out what's going to work best for you and, and a little bit of trial and error there. Okay, so stay away from the spices and stay away from pep- from mm. fats is a big one. Okay, yeah. awesome. Is there any other foods that specifically night shift that people should stay away from? Is there any that kind of come to mind? Um, so you know, it's kind of it's tricky to say, but um, you know, big meals sometimes can be a little bit more of a problem just because your body's not usually used to digesting so much food during the night. So that could be another thing to keep in mind. Um, and then in terms of just kind of figuring out through the day what works best for you um, and through the night, things like, you know, yogurt or smoothies or things that are kind of already broken down and a little bit easier on your stomach could be good choices instead. Yogurt is great with a you know, good bacteria for our stomach. So it can really help out if you're having GI issues. Okay, that's awesome. So, you know, you're basically saying, you know, people get into those uh, probiotics and prebiotics. Mm-hmm. Um could is that another option as well as like a last resort when it comes down to supplements or is that something that you would maybe recommend sooner than later yeah so uh, honestly if you're having a lot of gi issues and you're not finding any relief from you know some trial and error i would definitely recommend looking into some probiotics prebiotics you know just test trialing a few things and seeing what works because obviously no one wants to live with you know those stomach pains and all those issues especially when you're working Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, I, I, I've, I'm a victim of it. And that's why I had mentioned earlier to you that I was doing um, Viom. I do the the gut test and stuff like that. And that was a big single to me. It gives you this um, pie graph or percentage basically saying, you know, out of 100, this is what your gut looks like. Out of 100, this is what your microbiome is looking like. And it's very detailed. And that's, um, you know, I, I felt those symptoms. I'm like, wow, like this is this is telling me that I really need to change my eating habits or make sure that I'm supplementing um, certain bacteria into my stomach to help me, you know, decrease the inflammation or stomach discomfort that I was experiencing. Because, yeah, like it's, it's, it's a serious thing. And I just think that... Uh, you know, we could do a lot of damage to our stomach when we're eating the incorrect foods. Like, yeah, we're already hurting ourselves getting the, you know, improper sleep where we're affecting our hormones and our circadian rhythm, but we are making it a hundred times worse when you're just pounding back the sugar and, you know, you're eating heavy foods and your, your stomach is giving you all these signals. Are you listening to those signals or are you going to anybody like a dietitian to help you, you know, clear up those signals or are you just going to continue down that path and just say, ah, it's just how my body's feeling, right? 
Um, and that's um, when it lands in, in their hands. And actually, Spencer, you know, just on the, the topic of microbiome, so that's a big thing too with food and dietitians, you know. And I think it's wonderful that you get yours tested every year and adjust as needed because that's something that, you know, we can neglect so much. That's a topic that's not normally talked about. A lot of the time, you know, the foods that we eat give off uh, the bacteria and it, it influences our microbiome. So essentially just the, the little... Um, the, the part in our stomachs that, that kind of help digest food the most. And when our microbiome is altered or affected, it can actually have an effect on our mental health too. So, you know, just being cautious of, of choosing, you know, certain sweetened foods or, or a lot of sugary foods, you know, baked goods, things like that on a consistent basis. Obviously, we want to enjoy ourselves. That's There's no question. But just also being, yeah, of course we want to enjoy them. I love them. I'm, I'm a big chocolate person. I'm, I could not live without ice cream. And yeah, I, man, me too. yeah, love it. Um, but just also being cautious and, you know, thinking that if I'm eating this every day for every meal, obviously this is going to start affecting you know, my microbiome and there could be effects on my mental health too. Right. And yeah, a lot of people don't like, it's not that they don't know, but your stomach is your second brain is what I've came to, I've come to learn that, you know, what you eat is how you're going to feel and how you feel is how you're going to present yourself on a daily. So if you're eating junk food, you're not going to feel super high energetic and like, you know, feeling good and happy to talk to people or just feeling motivated to go and want to do anything. Right. So whatever you eat is, is, is going to be a representation of how you are as, as a person. Right. And, you know, it's so important that the field of microbiome should be, out on the mainstream a lot more because it's 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 almost like you know i don't see it so i shouldn't care you know what i mean yeah but it's like yeah your stomach is your second brain and the the better that you treat it the more the better you're going to be able to perform and uh yeah no that's awesome are you big into biohacking by any chance Uh, i actually i'm not sure what that is can you can you explain a little bit more Okay, so when it comes down to biohacking, um, there's a gentleman that I like to listen to named Dave Asprey. Um, he does the Bulletproof Coffee, um, and he's got a podcast called The Bulletproof Radio. And yeah, so he does you know things where it comes down to cryotherapy, uh, infrared. Um, he's big on the fats and the fasting, and he talks a lot about the gut health and stuff like that. And he his goal is to live to, I think it's 180 years old. Yeah, just by, you know, doing all these, um, not necessarily manipulations to the body, you're not really taking anything away from the body, but you're just trying to promote a healthy gut, promote better sleep and recovery and, you know, promoting um, longevity when it comes down to his age. So I thought I thought I'd ask you, but yeah, yeah, he talks, he talks a bit about, you know, gut health and stuff like that. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's it's very important, and it's great that you know it's something that you also cover a lot with your clients. Because yeah, it's it it's crazy how um, damaging your stomach can can get the more abuse you you, you do to it, right? Yeah, and, and um, you know, I think microbiome too is, is honestly something I, I only just learned about halfway through my my university um, degree, and I think it's something that's not talked about enough, like you said, Spencer, and. When we don't talk about it enough, you know, people might not assume or, you know, see the connection between our gut health and our brain health. So, you know, again, it's just something to 
keep chatting about, you know, keep the conversation open and hopefully more people can get to know a little bit more about the microbiome and, you know, how it affects our mental health. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Let's uh, get into energy drinks and coffee. I feel like that's a big one that I see a lot at work, um, that people are consuming coffee all the way throughout the night. It'll be 4 a.m. and guys are making a fresh pot of coffee. And I'm sitting there scratching my head like, yo, don't don't you want to go to bed in the next, you know, three hours? Yeah, that's that's rough. And honestly, I'm I honestly I've never worked a night shift before myself, um, but I can only imagine, you know, how difficult it is to stay awake during those kind of shifts with energy drinks that's something i would try to steer people away from just because uh, essentially you know all that added sugar and all these different additives and and you know you don't always really know what it is that you're going to be consuming in these different drinks so if you can i'd steer away from them as much as possible also you know they contain a lot of sugar so you know if you're consuming them in excess you're probably going to notice you're getting a lot of sugar crashes where you know, as we talked about before, if you eat something that's sugar or carb um, or any kind of drink, any kind of sugary drink, you're going to notice that your stomach's able to break it down pretty quick. So your blood sugars will probably go up really quick. And then, you know, you'll, it'll follow by a very quick downward drop where you feel, you know, tired, sluggish, all those things. Uh, when we're talking more about coffee, though, I think that's something that's definitely better for, for shift work. And just in terms of, you know, everyday life, there's been you know some evidence that coffee actually might be linked to lowering the risk of you know cardiovascular disease type 2 diabetes and you know even things like parkinson's so there's some emerging research that's that's pretty interesting on it um i would try to you know stay within the recommendations for your shifts or you know for your everyday life which is about three to five eight ounce cups of coffee so about 400 milligrams of caffeine per day obviously you know there's a lot of people who love it and feel like you know, it's, it's going to give that them that extra energy boost. And, you know, I know a lot of people who like to enjoy it in excess because they enjoy the taste. Um, but, you know, when you're a shift worker, it's it's good to keep in mind that you don't want to find you're lacking energy on your shifts when you should be. And you're kind of all out of whack because, you know, as you mentioned, your coworker drinking caffeine a couple hours before, you know, shift may be over and then you find you can't sleep. So just something to keep in mind. Yeah, um, no, that's really good. And it's like you could have your coffee, but don't fill it up with the creamers and all the other crap that shouldn't really be in it. Like have it black is probably what you would recommend. Right. And, um, now what about decaf? Do you find that, you know, if somebody was big into drinking coffee, you know, all day kind of as their main source of, of, hydration could decaf also be a a better option for them as well yeah so it definitely could um the thing to keep in mind is sometimes you know we're drinking a lot of coffee we're not getting enough water and dehydration can kind of be an issue there too um if you you know prefer to try out decaf to to try to mitigate the effects on your sleep and and just throughout the workday so you're not getting the shakes or anything absolutely go right ahead you know everybody's gonna take a a different perspective on that but um if you can also you know carry around a water bottle during your shifts make sure you have one you know where you can quickly grab it and take a swig because a lot of the time when we're drinking other things water is the last thing on our mind so if you can have a water bottle that would be wonderful um and then in terms of you know you mentioned black coffee 
could probably be the best. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But you know, if, if you feel like you like to have some milk in there, some sugar, go ahead. Obviously, if it's like you're having more creamer or more milk than you are coffee and more sugar too, then maybe we'll try to regress that back a little bit um, mm. because that can be a lot in one cup. Um, but you know, milk could probably be the better option over creamer just because it can be a little lower in fat and still give you some protein too. Um, but yeah, it's, it's all, all in all, it's just moderation and kind of working with what works best for, for the person. Okay. Awesome. Um, when it comes down to, let's say, you know, drinking coffee and eating food for shift workers, um, at nighttime specifically, is there a certain time that they should kind of stop or do you think that they could kind of go throughout the whole night until they're done their shift? Yeah. So that's something I'm still kind of researching at the moment because, you know, I know for, for Marshall, when he is switching from his day shifts to night shifts, he'll be eating through the day um, um, because he usually only sleeps in probably until about 10 a.m. because obviously your body's still on the day, the regular shift. Um, right. And then he'll just eat through the day and um, have some snacks to bring throughout the night. So we are thinking about possibly, you know, trying to have him fast from 12 to 6 just because it, it kind of still allows your body to stay in that regular circadian rhythm and, you know, regular state of um, meal timings, etc. Again, it's just something, you know, I'm continuing to research because then, again, it also brings into consideration, obviously, shift workers need their energy through their shifts. You know, we don't want them to, to lack energy. Um, right. And when we, you know, go a long period of time without eating, again, it affects our blood sugars too. Um a lot of the time, my clients and I like to talk about, you know, having something um, every three to four hours as a, like another goal. Obviously, it's, it can be different. People sometimes don't eat all day, sometimes eat only in the night. So it can be uh, a bit of a journey working up towards that. But that's something that can really benefit our blood sugars and just overall benefit our energy levels, too. So I'd say probably in conclusion, um, I, I don't take out food, you know, if you're used to eating through your night shifts at certain intervals, then great. And if it works for you, awesome. Um, personally, I'm still looking into the research to see what works best. So I'll just say stay tuned. Awesome. Stay tuned. Um, so the biggest thing is that trying to keep your blood sugars level throughout the night, because like you said, you want to avoid that crash. You want to make sure that you're, you're balancing and, and staying energetic in your profession. Like everybody's different. So for my job, I sit on my butt for 12 hours. It sucks. It is what it is. I, I operate a crane, right? Um, and yeah, there's some days that, you know, I am extremely tired, but I've over, you know, the past couple months, I found a technique that has kind of worked for me finally. And it all comes down to like how I prep my nights leading up um, to my actual night shift that has made a difference on how I feel throughout my actual working shift. Um, and then also same thing as you've mentioned for Marshall is cutting my food off at 12 o'clock all the way until the time I go to bed. I actually don't even have breakfast. So it ends up turning into a reverse fast for me um, from sometimes I'll even stop as early as 10 o'clock. So I'll go from 10 o'clock until about 2 or 3 p.m. And when I wake up and I'll automatically have a meal right away. And then when I go on my days, I actually don't eat until 12 o'clock. But it only depends if I'm training that day. So if I'm training, I'm actually going to break my fast as soon as I wake up because I have an intense workout that I have to focus on, especially doing 10 to 13 hours of training a week, right? So I guess it just depends on your livelihood. But if you're somebody that isn't extremely active, you know, having that fast up until 12, 
uh, PM might be helpful for them. And then, like you said, at nighttime, cutting it at 10 or 12 o'clock. And then that way, you know, their stomach isn't getting affected. They'll go to sleep a little bit easier. And, uh, it, you know, the circadian rhythm won't take that big of a hit as much as it already is, right? Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I like, it, Spencer, too, you, you've kind of emphasized, you know, you found what works best for you. And you're, you've, it's taken a little bit, but, you know, you've gotten into that habit because, you know, everybody's going to have a different one. So it goes props to you because that's, that's, it's tricky. It's, it's so tricky. Absolutely. You know what? And it's going to be a forever um, test. You know what I mean? Like there's going to be days where like it's not going to work. And then there's some days I'm going to feel amazing. Right. And it's just, you know, sticking to the routine for a good chunk of time. I usually like to test things for about three months, give or take. And if it's not working, switch it up and try something else. Right. And that's the best thing is just never give up on, you know, like I always like to say is trying to be 1% better every day. Right. And so the only way you're going to be able to do that is not give up and just keep testing different things out. So I look forward to hearing more about what you come up and research with that and how Marshall is doing. Um, awesome. Well, you know what, we covered a lot of the, the questions on, um, you being a dietitian. Is there anything that you feel that we've might've missed that you're very passionate about that you want to share more for shift workers? Yeah, actually, you you actually just brought one up. You know, you mentioned you would normally wait about three change or three months before you you know you make a change to your habits. That's that's something that's huge. You know, when we're working towards a goal, we're trying to make changes, especially when it comes to nutrition and fitness. You know, we got to give it time. If you don't give it time, you know, you don't put in that consistency, then you're probably not going to see the change. And and you know, we got to be patient with it too. That's a big thing because. If we're not patient, you know, we don't give our body that time to adjust and, you know, it's, it's probably not going to work out. I, I have actually a lot of people that reach out to me and ask for, you know, can, can I have like one or two sessions with you just to kind of like chat and, and get some information? And I always like to say, you know, I feel like doing that would be not only a disservice to you because, you know, you're going to need at least a minimum of three months, if not likely more time. Uh, working on and you know waiting to see how things go as you're adjusting and making these changes but you know also a disservice to me because there's only so much I can do in one to two sessions and you know professionally I always like to to give the best that I can to my clients and and that's something that we're really big on is you know we we gotta put in the time and you know be patient but know that the results are going to be at the end of the tunnel absolutely and that's that's a good point like yeah like don't give up if you're investing money into somebody's service like give them the full range of time that they need to make sure that you are being successful instead of giving you a couple you know tips here and there it's like you could go and google and get the same thing but when you're talking to a professional they want to make sure that they're they're seeing the end of that tunnel where you know they could let you go and you could be on your own and and know that they have done everything in their power to make sure that that person is is successful right and yes. yeah that's that's so important um awesome so are you still big into soccer and wrestling yes what's, so, what's your what's your fitness world looking like right now oh goodness my fitness world just because of covid right now is looking like my home with some weights in it currently uh, big into soccer i actually played a lot in university too that's you know something i'd love to go back to just kind of playing a house league whatever adult um what have you when things open back up wrestling i haven't actually done in quite a few years um, unfortunately my university didn't offer it, but if it ever comes a point in the future, I absolutely would love to. I'm also big into powerlifting too. So now oh, okay, the gyms, cool. 
Yeah. Now that the gyms are open, I'm, I'm super excited to get back to a powerlifting gym. Awesome. Where do you do your powerlifting? So, um, for, for most of the time I did actually it in Kingston at this uh, little powerlifting gym. It was actually run by uh, a nice couple who were powerlifters themselves and kind of just opened it up to their family, friends, et cetera. So that was wonderful. They unfortunately have closed. So now I'm, I'm oh, in the search for a new one in the Hamilton okay. area now. Okay. Well, I'll help you out for the areas in Hamilton that will um, support those needs because I did CrossFit for a number of years and stuff like that. I didn't go into the powerlifting, but I was I was big in the CrossFit and a lot of those CrossFit gyms they they all have powerlifting and stuff like that. Um, okay. Awesome. Well, where can people find you, Caitlin? Yeah. So you can find me at Shift Work Nutrition RD on Instagram. Uh, that's my main platform right now. I also run um, a fun little shift work community for individuals on Facebook too, where I post a lot of free trainings. The link is through my Instagram bio, or you can just reach out and we can have a little chat. And I'd love to, to welcome you to our, our little community. Awesome. Yes, that's right, listeners. Um, Find her on Instagram. Her Instagram is tons of energy, tons of fun, and very, very informative. Her stories that she posts are awesome. I like looking at them. I'm not usually a big person that looks at stories, uh, but Caitlin's are definitely one of those ones that I'm like, oh, that, that's good information. I could definitely use that. And I've actually had some friends reach out to me being like, oh, I really love her stories. So I highly recommend you jump on over to her Instagram, get into her Facebook group, and get connected and join the community of people that are all also going through the same journey that you are as well. So Caitlin, thank you so much for taking time out of your day today to join me, the shift work athlete, um, share your knowledge, your information and help out this community of healthy and growing strong community of healthy shift workers. Really, thank you so much for having me, Spencer, and big shout out to you for, you know, doing the hard work, putting that work in as a shift worker. I give you all the respect for that. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You know what? Yeah, the the shifts suck, but I love my job just like every other shift worker. You know, if we had the choice, I don't think we really change anything like, yeah, you know, sleeping during the day or sorry, um, having a regular shift is nice, but there's something nice also about having that separation from the crazy world at nighttime too. So, you know what? It's a juggle. Some days I love it. Some days I hate it. But at the end of the day, like, I, I don't know, I wouldn't really change it, but it's, it's nice that, uh, we have our own little community and, and we aren't part of the, the regular, uh, sleeping world and eating world. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. All right, That's Caitlin. awesome. Well, thank you so much again, and I'll chat to you later. Thanks, Spencer. Wow, what a phenomenal podcast with Caitlin Miles, registered dietitian. Like, wow, there was some really important information in this podcast that, you know, opened my eyes to utilizing more of the freezer and then also being more patient with things or systems that I'm implementing into my daily routine. So if you guys really enjoyed this podcast, please make sure that you are following, subscribing, giving me a uh, rating based off your opinion. If you enjoyed it, I love candid feedback. And if there's anything else that you would love to hear from me or other people that I am podcasting, please share in the comments. And I look forward to sharing my next podcast with you guys. So thank you once again. My name is Spencer Brothers, Shift Athlete. And I'll catch you guys in the next podcast. Peace out.